Hey everybody, it is with great privilege to have with us on Northwestern alum and now a young tennis professional on with us tonight. This guest was actually born in my hometown where I grew up for over 20 years, Highland Park, Illinois. Please welcome to the courtside with Bielinson Tennis Podcast, Strong Kirschheimer. Strong, thanks for uh, taking some time today and walking us through your tennis journey. Oh no, thank you. Uh, I'm really glad that you uh, invited me on here and uh, I am just really excited to share uh, share my story a little bit and uh, I, I just want to say first off that you really have a great t- or this is really a great platform for tennis players or for tennis players like me to be able to share them or share what goes on with them and I think uh, it's really great for guys like again guys like me to have an outlet like this hey I appreciate it and you know uh, you know I have a blast doing it but thank you for the kind words so to, to kind of get into it a little bit um, I know you've been traveling like crazy I believe you're home now right you spent a little time at home which is Cary North Carolina but Kind of tell everybody where have you where you've been the last few tournaments. Uh, last few weeks, wow! I've really I've really been traveling. I mean, they all kind of blend together. So I've, I've been to a lot of different places the last couple months. But most recently, I was out in Fairfield, California, and then I ventured back a little bit east to Waco, Texas, and then I was in Arkansas, I believe, a week or two ago. So I've kind of kind of been uh, exploring the U.S. a bit. I mean, are there times when you wake up in the hotel, dead asleep, and you're like, where the heck am I? Oh, that happens. Almost, that's almost a daily occurrence. <laughs> so, um, you know, typically we'll ask a lot of our guests, um, you know, a background about how you got started in the sport. What are some of the particulars that, that made you fall in love with tennis? And, you know, with you, we're actually going to start day one, maybe even before day one, when your parents decided uh, to give you your first name. And I know you've been asked this a lot, but not all the listeners will know the story. So let's set the record straight. Is Strong your legal first name? Strong is, in fact, my legal first name. Um, you know, my parents... Uh they really thought I'd be into powerlifting and not tennis, and uh, I guess I kind of disappointed them there. Um, <laughs> no, I'm uh, I'm kidding about that a little bit, but uh, but yeah, that's that's really my first name right there. Any story behind that, or they just liked how it sounded and and named their son? They wanted to name their son Strong. Uh, actually, my dad is a very big historian, or he, he likes to study or look into American history in his free time. And there was a union officer at Gettysburg named Strong, and uh, he, he liked it, so that's uh, that's the name I got. Got it. Okay. So uh, everyone knows uh, it's not a nickname. There's some meaning behind it, and uh, hey, man, that, that's cool. I, I respect it. I like it a lot. So, <laughs> so now that we got past the, uh, the important stuff in the podcast, kind of walk us through um, how you got started in the sport. You know, did your parents play, siblings? Um, what made you fall in love with it? Honestly, my parents were pretty avid tennis players, and uh, they kind of, they absolutely started me into it, and uh, I just, I, I've been playing tennis for a really long time, and I just remember, uh, always remember, like, growing up, I always had a racket in my hand, and uh, they, they really got me started with it, and it was, once I started hitting balls, I kind of never really stopped. Did you, comp- did you participate in other sports as well, soccer, basketball, or what, whatever? 
played baseball up until I was about 13 or 14, I believe. I really enjoyed that, but I probably wasn't as good as that or good at that as I was with tennis, so I ended up uh, sticking with the tennis. And uh, again, when I was doing research with this, when I saw that you were born in my hometown of Highland Park, Illinois, I totally cracked up. But um, you did not live there that long, right? You you moved to Cary, North Carolina when you were really young, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I think I spent about three or four years or so there. Um, so yeah, I'm, I spent the majority of my time in North Carolina, but I still uh, I still really uh, consider myself a Chicago Chicago kid and we're going to get into that because of uh, your northwest your great northwestern career but before we get into that kind of talk a little bit about your junior career I know there was some online schooling involved and I know you also were in Chicago for for a little bit as well yeah um, when I was actually really young I was actually I think 11 or 12 I was actually one of the top juniors and then after that I was I didn't grow for about four or five years so I was kind of just this slow like slow small kid and I kind of just I was kind of stagnant for a bit and once I got to about 16 or 17 I started to really improve because partially because I grew but I believe in eighth grade I started online school um, partially because I was missing too many days in public school um, (laughs) which According to the school district, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't be able to pass eighth grade in high school if I missed school like that again. So my parents, I put myself in online school, and uh, I spent a lot of time actually training up in Chicago. Um, we I was with uh, the Billy Heiser group for a little bit. Whenever I'd come to town, I'd go and practice there, and we had a good group of guys with uh, both Hillsix and uh, Tom Fawcett and a couple other uh, pretty prominent or pretty prominent juniors so we had a we had a fun time there cool 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 so uh, just to kind of get a give a few highlights of your awesome junior career you know you're rated as a blue chip recruit number 18 ranked u.s player according to tennis recruiting.net number four ranked player in the southern region and number one player in north carolina among other highlights you knew you wanted to play collegiately Obviously, with uh, your accolades, you had a number of schools that were interested in you. Kind of talk about the schools that you were looking at, and at the end of the day, um, how did Northwestern win out? Uh, it's funny. Uh, actually, I had most of those accolades I didn't pick up until my junior, late in my junior and senior year of high school, so I really wasn't that prominent of a recruit uh, when the recruiting process was going on. I had, I mean, I knew I wanted to play in a power, or I was pretty sure I wanted to play in a power five conference, but I wasn't necessarily sure that all those schools would be interested in me, but I thankfully, I kept improving, so I kind of peaked at the right time with junior year, Kalamazoo, and then, uh, uh, what was I saying? But yeah, so then after that, I started to get some more more looks at me um being from north carolina i was nc state and unc were pretty pretty uh appealing for me but uh it just didn't i didn't really i I didn't really want to stay that close to home once i kind of figured things out a little bit and i for with the ties that i had to chicago i was always uh real interested in northwestern so that once uh, i got around arvid and chris uh, arvid swan and chris klingman the two coaches there I really was kind of just set because once I saw everything that was kind of culminating with uh, 
with what was going on with my class, uh, I was pretty sold on there because we we ended up having three other very, very good recruits with uh, Conrad Ziva, Sam Shropshire, and Al Perot. Right. And so once I kind of saw like, I was the last one to commit, and once I kind of got an idea of what was going on with that program, I was pretty pretty set on going there. Nice. And I mean, you were familiar with the Chicago Winters, not only were you born here, but like you said, you trained a little uh, during your junior career back in Chicago, even though you were living in North Carolina. The cold winters didn't uh, didn't scare you off. Obviously, you had an amazing collegiate career, pretty much starting right out of the shoot. I mean, your freshman year posted season records: twenty four and eight in singles, nineteen and nine in, in doubles. Co led the team with twenty four singles wins. Your sophomore year, second team All Big Ten selection. Co led the team in singles wins, twenty five and twelve. Junior year, first team All Big Ten. Um, you know, I'm, I'm giving the Cliff Notes version here. There's so many. Your senior year, unanimous first team All Big Ten selection. Go check out the uh, his career stats on the Northwestern website. It, it, it's pretty damn impressive. So, um, kind of obviously, you were happy with your choice. It worked out great. What are some of the things that really stand out in your mind during your time at Northwestern? Uh, well. Well, the, the main thing that stands out with me is that the group of guys that we had really were able to just push each other day in and day out. And then Arvid and Chris kind of enabled that as well. So we just had a really hungry group of guys just pushing each other. And so that was what allowed me to get better each year and kind of have the results that I did. Because I know like when I came in, Sam, I kind of had a chip on my shoulder because Sam and Conrad were a little bit higher recruits than me. So I really wanted to prove that I to compete with them so in practice every every day I'd be pretty hungry and then they'd be I'd push them they'd push me and so that was kind of one of the big things we had going on and then uh, my junior year is what really stood out I, I had a kind of a, I had an interesting summer the year before where I really spent a lot of time working on my game and if you go look at the results on that, on the because I played a lot of futures that summer, yep. uh, I really had some egregious results. Like I was going down quick, <laughs> but I, was, I had spent a lot of time trying to get better and improving certain things. So then, once junior fall hit, I really was starting to make a really starting to kind of show that I had improved and kind of able to do some things I hadn't been able to do, and that kind of led on to the year that I had there, and I had a unbelievable season with I think I was I lost maybe one dual match there but it, just from the continual work on the game I remember that I was able to get better through that so and just to give yeah and just to give context and time I should have said this earlier but you attended Northwestern from 2013 through 2017 so that's just for the listeners the context of time that strong is talking about um, so you graduate there again uh, amazing collegiate career really was and now you have the decision that you're going to go to the pros um was this something that you kind of talked about with your parents and, and and other family members was this something that you knew you wanted to do obviously you graduate from northwestern um there are some some other options maybe outside the tennis world that um you were able to pursue kind of walk us through your decision process and then um Kind of talk a little bit about, you know, what, what it's been like on, on tour. Biggest surprises? Um, how do you select your schedule? Kind of go from there. Yeah, initially, initially when I went to school, 
school, it wasn't really. I I went to Northwestern because I realized that it would really give me the opportunity to be to be successful after tennis. But then once I really once I got there freshman year, I was like, wow, I'm I'm really passionate about the tennis. I kind of want to see if I can get good with this and. Again, like the first couple of years, I didn't really know if that was going to be something for me or if I really wanted to enter or enter the professional realm with business or something else. So, but then I had my junior year, the junior year that I had, and then my junior year summer where I really uh, kind of started to do some things professionally. And I mean, I was all gung ho about not going back to back to school in the fall and then to coming back for the dual season. And everyone kind of kind of stopped me there and said, "Okay, you need to you need to make sure you graduate first. And, uh, but I was after once my junior year, I was pretty gung ho on uh, play, playing professionally, and my parents were very supportive very supportive of me doing that. So I was very lucky in that department. And uh, but yeah, initial it kind of it wasn't something I had planned out. It just kind of happened over time. Right. Uh, playing. And I mean, when you did decide to go professional, like you said, you had played some futures in college, so it wasn't totally brand new. But are there a couple things that when you when you went to do this um, after you graduated, the, some things really jumped out at you and be like, whoa, this is a different animal out here? Oh, absolutely. Um, and it, I really, I really got, again, the first, like, first three or four months, I really got chewed up um, playing playing full-time uh, I wasn't used to one of the main things people don't talk about is when you're it's I think it's easier to play professional tournaments when you're in school because if you go and lose like, you go and lose okay you have your apart you have your apartment you can all you can go fly back there and you're back there the night you're done and you're kind of comfortable but if you go and lose in a professional tournament and you're you're not in school it's okay and and unless you've really got great resources to work with it's kind of like okay I kind of need to work through this. I'm at, in this place until I go to the next tournament. How can I get myself better? And that's one of the main things. Just everyone is really comfortable in school, and it's kind of easy when every everyone uh, or the school is catering for. Or, I mean, planning everything for you, and it's kind of catered. But once you're kind of on your own and by yourself, then that's when things get a little trickier. And that's something I really didn't. Uh, I really had to work on understanding and. Just one of the other things is really learning to be uh, by yourself and just constantly like, in the hotel room or in housing and you're kind of on your own or you're at the facility for six or seven hours a day and you're just by yourself and with your own thoughts and really learning to manage your downtime and keep yourself uh, sane a little bit. That's one of the big things going from college tennis to professional tennis that I don't think is really addressed a ton. And you see a lot of guys who... Uh, who start out right from that, or who start out right from school, they kind of, there are some guys who maybe fall by the wayside or struggle a little bit because they, they don't understand that and they kind of really want to be comfortable. So that's totally, one of the main things I've seen. Totally appreciate that insight. And, and you know, we've talked about it briefly. Um, my documentary that I did with um, Baylor All-American, Jimmy Bendick, it's called The Journey, Life on Tour with Jimmy Bendick. And we highlight basically a young pro's journey in trying to make it in professional tennis. And, you know, the more I've talked with Jimmy, the more I talk with, with guys like you, sometimes tennis is the easy part. It's everything else. It's dealing with everything else. And a lot of times people just don't make it, not because they're good, not because they're not good in tennis. It's just they couldn't get used to the lifestyle. So uh, I greatly appreciate, you know, you kind of going into that. 
And um, it's exactly what we're trying to do with uh, this project that we're doing. Again, it's the journey life on tour with Jimmy Bendex. So um, appreciate that. Really cool. So let, let me ask you as far as funding, um, you know, selecting your schedule, how does that all go kind of, does the scheduling and the funding, they obviously kind of, they, they have to go hand in hand, I guess. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, they, uh, they definitely do. I've, uh, I mean, if you look at my schedule, I really, I've pretty much only played in the U.S. I think I've ventured to the Dominican Republic for one week while I was still in school, actually, and I've, I've maybe gone to Canada a handful of times, but other than that, I'm, I'm staying pretty close to home just because uh, uh, traveling overseas uh, can be expensive, and so I've really limited the tournaments I've played. I've really been... Uh, sticking close to home just because they're a little bit easier a, li- a little bit easier on the bank account to, to do right. um, funding wise I mean I'm very grateful for what I've had but more or less I've kind of been doing it on my own I uh, I took out a little bit of a very small loan this summer because it was starting to get a little tricky and great and I mean I mean they're like very small and I was able actually for about probably the majority of the summer I was able to keep making I never could quite profit but I was able to keep making my money back each week so I was uh, at least doing pretty well with that and so I've, again I've been grateful that I've had been able to do that and do some other or get a get I've been able to get money from a couple other places right but uh, it, it's tricky it's <laughs> definitely tricky but uh, I'm obviously pretty happy to work with what I've got so no, again, I appreciate it. it's not easy and it's not easy to talk about and I appreciate you you giving some insight in that. So kind of give us, if you don't mind, uh, you know, a, a day in the life and you can do a day in the life of a practice day, a day in the life of the match day. Obviously with match day, it's tricky. It's not like other sports. Unless you're first on, you don't know exactly when you're going to go on. So the whole eating, stretching, warming up, that gets tricky. But give us a typical, uh, if you don't mind, a typical practice day, day in the life of, of Strong Kirschheimer, and then a match day prep of uh, Strong Kirschheimer. Yeah. Um, match day. Match days, again, are, 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 I'm sorry, did you want practice day first or the match day? Whatever you prefer. Whatever you prefer. Uh, well, the match days are tricky because uh, unless you're, like you said, unless you're, 10 a, you're that 10 a.m. start or that 11 a.m. start, uh, you, you're gonna have to really uh, be flexible with waiting and uh, not maybe not knowing when to warm up. I've actually gotten into an interesting habit where I'm just I've more or less been going just a straight up practice and then going out and playing and just trying to get a little better and then just going and playing my match off that. So that's more or less what I've been doing. That may it may change, but usually if I'm more recently, I've been playing later matches. So I've been going, I've probably been doing my warm-up, which takes maybe about a half hour, in the, maybe a half hour, maybe 20 minutes in the gym, and then going out to the court, and I'll usually find someone. Or if uh, I've been traveling with uh, one coach a little bit who's been uh, real flexible with a lot of things, uh, Murphy Payne, uh, very eccentric guy, but very good with the tennis. And we'll just go out and we'll, uh, we'll practice for maybe an hour, hour and a half and then get food and then whenever uh my match goes on i just go on and go to work yeah it, um, it's tricky it's tricky i've talked to other other guests on this podcast i think one of them was noah rubin he said there there were times when he's warmed up two or three different times 
like actually yeah. warm up, cool down, warm up, cool down, warm up, cool down. Um, the format it's it's very tricky the the whole food situation it's this this is why being a professional tennis player is uh so unique and, and so hard yeah I don't, I, yeah it's, it's funny because if you think about other sports i don't think there are a lot of other competitors who have to go and okay maybe i go on here but oh wait no this this match went to a third set so i've got to wait another hour so i might have to eat this but I already ate this, so I don't know if I want this in my system. So it's tricky. Uh, I, I'm trying to think of other sports, but you don't, with football, baseball, basketball, the other team sports, yep. you're more or less, you know when you're going to play, and just everything's kind of set in stone. But with the tennis, you really, on match day, you really got to be a lot more flexible. Um, even even and, and you go even to golf, they have their scheduled tee times. Now, it could be delayed a little bit, but generally, again, they know when they're going to start teeing off, so... Uh, one of the unique aspects of our great sport. What about a uh, an off day? And let's do a practice day, maybe not at a tournament. What's that like? Ooh, I, other than this week, I really haven't had that many. But uh, when I when I was in South Carolina training with Murph, we uh, we got after it pretty good. We'd usually we'd usually get out there around ten. We'd probably go till about one one thirty. And then, That's just hitting balls three and a half hours. Yeah, we we would do a couple. I mean, there would obviously be a couple breaks, like a couple water breaks in there. But well, yeah, but still, I mean, three and a half hours. That's that's a lot yeah, of hitting. Like I said, he's an eccentric fellow. <laughs> after it, pretty good. Um, so that, and we'll probably get lunch, and then come back for another uh, another couple hours, and then I'll head off to the. I was here that week. I was heading off to the Y. I was lifting at the YMCA, and so I just go off to the, after uh, afternoon hit. I'd probably go off to the YMCA and lift a bit. I uh, got pretty into weightlifting actually the last the last couple months. So I was doing a lot of uh, maybe not tennis specific lifting, but just more for kind of just having fun. I was bench. I was actually really benching a lot and a lot of the more fun workouts like biceps and triceps. Yeah. R- Rafa so I don't, style. I don't, know if, was, I don't it, know if that was necessarily for tennis. Yeah, been doing that. But, uh, <laughs> but let me ask you this. Let, fun, so. Yeah, let me ask you this. During a tournament, obviously you're not going to be hitting for five, six hours a day on your on your off day. But is that when you're practicing? Let's say you know you do have an off day, or even if you played a match early and you have some time the rest of the day. When you hit the practice courts, is that basically just? keeping in your groove staying in rhythm and then also maybe spend a little extra time on working something that and working on something that that didn't feel quite right in a match as opposed to just going out obviously hitting five hours a day yeah no uh i mean everything at least when i when i try to go on the practice court everything i do i try to have a purpose and so if i'm not if i don't feel something is getting me better i just i won't do it mm-hmm. so every time every time i'm going out there i'm trying to do something to improve my game so I, it's rare now if I do something to groove or get rhythm but I really like I've really started to appreciate and like working on different things different little things like how can I get this better what can I do to improve that so that's usually more of my thinking going on the practice court so usually I'm trying to get after it a little bit working on different things it's I mean I, I said I was hitting for a long time but it's very rarely uh, just some, like some sort of mind like something kind of mindless just hanging out in the middle or right yeah. So, even yeah, no, I, I I hear you. So yeah. you're around your singles ranking is roughly right around the 500 um, mark, right? Yeah, 
So let's kind of talk about 2020. You've been on tour for, for a couple of years. Had, you know, you've had solid progress each year. What are you looking forward specifically? Um, and it could be, you know, it could be really concrete goals. It could be um, ranking specific or it could be more process oriented, whatever it is. But for 2020, what are you really looking at, at getting after? Again, I really I try to avoid looking at the ranking the ranking stuff and uh, maybe the more result oriented goals. But I, I've, I mean, again, just more of a, I'm all like the the thesis of what I'm trying to do is just keep improving on a daily basis and then see where that kind of takes the other things. Because I've noticed when I start looking at the rankings or uh, what tournaments I'm playing, that's when I start to struggle a little bit more. But if I can keep improving as a tennis player that's usually when i have a little bit more uh, success and if but, you can uh, keep that if you can keep that mindset of just getting better usually those goals and those rankings that just comes along as a byproduct. Yeah, we, yeah, we talk about that all the time yeah that's my thought if i can uh, uh kind of block out the other stuff then and just kind of focus on what i'm trying to do then uh i am probably gonna be a little bit better off uh 2020 though again like if you really look at it, I mean, the tournaments I've been playing recently, I've been getting opportunities to play a few more challengers. So, again, if I can keep improving and doing the right things uh, on and off the court, hopefully 2020 will bring more challenger opportunities and potentially uh, a lot less future oppor- futures opportunities. So uh, that's kind of what I'm, I'm thinking for or hope or working for for 2020 i should say got it well hey you know i know it's one of your rare off weeks and we've been going around 25 minutes here i do not want to take up too much more of your time but i do want to say um, thank you for doing this thank you for sharing your story and uh, you know seriously the best of luck going forward I, I appreciate your time doing this strong no you're good thank you again i uh, really appreciate you ta- uh, bringing me on the show uh, i really enjoyed it Thanks again for having me. Uh, hope you end up having a nice night. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate it. I'll talk to you soon, Strong. Sounds good. Bye. See you. So there you have it. Northwestern alum, young professional, Strong Kirschheimer. Hope you enjoyed that. Courtside with Bielinson Tennis Podcast. Uh, stay tuned again. we got a number of guests lined up. So stay tuned, and we'll have another one soon. Thank you.